0: that I'm doing, and I want just want to put a disclaimer out, because whenever a preacher talks about money, we get kind of funky sometimes. I'm not doing it to try to raise contribution or increase the church budget. I do this as part of our yearly feeding that you should know about how to handle money. I do this twice a year, and I, I like to do it before big, a big holiday events, so you can be prepared and not get suckered into debt. So, um, that's why I do it. I do it because I want something for you. I don't want anything from you. And I, that's why I, I, the Bible speaks a lot about this topic. It's a very important topic. And one thing I think we, we struggle in the Christian world is how to handle finances the way God sees our finances. And that's kind of the, the mind shift there. So, there's a lot of uh, things that we can cover. Today, we're, we're just going to cover a little bit about How to to really utilize what we have been given by God for His kingdom. Um, Because when it comes to personal finances, it's very easy to get lost. Um, We end up with more debt than we planned. We end up saving less than we planned. We end up with more bills than we thought we would have. Um, And then we wonder where all the money goes and where all the money went. And sometimes it takes a crisis for us to go, where's all the money going? What are we doing? And, and last week, I challenge you to spy on your money. Start tracking it. See where it goes. Because there should be no mystery when it comes to money. This is what you get, and you tell it where to go. You go here. You go there. So there should be no weird mystery like, where did all the money go? When you're in that state, you're financially lost. But God wants you not to be found God wants you to find, find His way of getting out. His way of planning and, move, and maneuvering when you're lost. Um, sometimes, some of us, we worry about money. I mean, we, it's a constant battle of worrying, do I have enough? Will I have enough? Will I have enough for later? Uh, and so in this context, we understand how easily it is to get financially lost. Because our perspective on money... And our assumptions about money are often flawed. I don't know about you, but my dad never sat me down and how to do a budget. And then when I thought I had a budget, it was like on paper on the computer for for years. Like I had a budget. When "Do you have a budget?" Well, like, yeah, it's it's like 2002. It's on my computer. I you know, for for years it didn't dawn on me that that budget that I wrote out actually has to live in my life. I have to keep it in my pocket. I have to watch it. So at one time, I was like, oh, I have a budget, so I'm financially found. No, I was lost because I had a budget, but I never bothered to look at it. I would just kind of guess. Man, I think I, got, I think we got a couple hundred bucks to eat out this month. I would never know. And, and then after time after time, I'm like, where's all the money going? Don't you hate when you get bills that come in not regular, they come irregularly? These bills that come like once a quarter? I hate those bills. It's like, where did you come from? What do you want from me? Because I already spent the money gone. Because it came at a weird time. It came every three months. Then I forgot about it for three months. Then I get it in the mail. Well, there it is. I hate you. All right? It's that kind of thinking. One of the things that Karen and I do, we, we use the cash system. We'll, we use little envelopes with money in it, and then when we go spend somewhere to go to in and out or Carl's Jr., we check in there, and if it's gone, it's gone. We know where our money went. It went to fast food. Hence, The big shirt. It's easy to get lost financially. Our assumptions oftentimes come from our parents. You know, their fear, their debt. Our assumptions come sometimes sometimes from our own experience, our own culture. And last week I said, it is very difficult to follow Jesus and stay financially lost. Because Jesus said so much about money, it is a spiritual issue. And today that becomes even clearer because we're going to look at a parable that takes a peek into how God views money. And a big part of unwinding ourselves from all this confusion in the area of life, it it begins with seeing things the way God sees them. And God can unwind your confusion. And it's certainly true. Look at me in your Bibles in, in Luke chapter 16. Oh, and by the way, if you find a black... A white and black cell phone, it's mine. Oh, there it is. Thank you very much. I thought I lost it. And I I like to use it because the fonts are really bigger than... I was using Karen's phone. Her fonts are really small and I'm going blind. Okay, great. All right, Luke 16. We're going to read this together. And I'm going to make some points out of this for us to kind of walk away with something practical. Okay. The parable of the shrewd manager. Jesus told his disciples there was, a, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master is going to take away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? Nine hundred gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it four hundred and fifty. Then he asked the second, How much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat. He told him, Take your bill and make it 800. Then the master commanded the, dishonest, uh, then the master comm- commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their kind than are the people of the lights. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. What a parable. You know, I read that for a lot of years, and I always had a hard time understanding it. But, you know, I I want to explain to you in a way that you can leave here going, okay, now I understand what Jesus was talking about. Because when I I read that, it's kind of like, what is He up to? what's What's the moral of that story? So, moving to higher ground, there's a, there's a problem. The problem in this parable is that the guy who's managing God's money, the, 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 the master, he's irresponsible. He's an irresponsible steward. And he's about to get fired for being an irresponsible steward of God's money, or in the parable, the manager's money, or the rich man's money. So that was the problem. The solution is, he made friends so he'd have a place to go when he got fired. So he did a terrible job, but then he does something so shrewdly to gain friends, so when he loses his job, he's not going to be out on the streets. The response from the master is, he praises him for being shrewd, for being practically wise. I thought, well, didn't he short sell? Did, wasn't the rich guy didn't he sell? He sold it for like a discount price to a guy when his met. But the focus is he was commended on that opportunity, on how he handled it, so he would have for himself a place to go after he lost his job, even though he sold it at a discount to all the people that owed his master money. Jesus' observation is this. The world is more on the ball in the way it uses money than the Christian community. Why is that? Because the world thinks ahead. Christians are usually the slower ones. If it's not preached about, they don't even think about it. It's not taught from this pulpit, they don't really think about it. And Jesus is saying, people out there, they do some really wise things with it. Smart things. They know more about it than we do. So this man realized that he had a little bit of time to take advantage of a passing opportunity that would positively impact his future. In this case, he sold those things for a discount. And guess what? He made some friends. And Jesus goes, that's that's the punchline. What are you doing? He's commending that. Now, Jesus draws three lessons from this parable, and we're going to go over them. The first lesson is this. Jesus says in in verse 9, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. The lesson is, everything you own is a tool. Our possessions are tools. Our possessions are tools to be used for bringing people into God's kingdom. We're commanded to make friends by means of things that are unrighteous. Things, for lack of a better word. Things of themselves are not themselves of righteous. The idea is the source. God gives you everything why is that so when it fails you have eternity in mind you'll have something to show for it when you meet god face to face the temporary becomes the eternal so here's an application is it time to get creative and ask yourself how can i utilize what i have to further god's kingdom Sometimes we got fall into the mindset, well, I'm going to give my percentage, whether you give 3%, 5%, 10%, 12% to God. In church, you, your pay comes around. You, that, that's God's. No, God actually has the 100%. He's not into that 1% or the 10% we might give on a particular Sunday. God owns it all completely. So the answer to see all that you have, or everything you own, are tools. And then figure out how to use them. You know, one of the things that we like to do when our kids get up, you know, when our kids were really young, they got every toy under the sun by their, by their, every my brothers, my mom, my dad. It was crazy. We had to hide these toys from our kids. It was just too much. And they would sit around for like years. And, I, and this morning I had a conversation with my children going, there are a lot of things in your room you never touch. Let's talk later about some of who can do positively with all the things that you have that you never really use. It just collects dust. not what we do is we, you know, we give hand me downs. We receive hand me downs, but we also give it to a local charity, to people in our city. We give away cool stuff to them because we know we see them come in every time we drop stuff off. They people are actually using this stuff, and so we give it locally. We give it to an organization that doesn't charge. They, they don't try to resell it. They actually just give it. Okay, we went to one where they got it, they repackaged it, they sold it. We're like, hey, that's my shirt. It shouldn't be on sale. You know, Hey, let's give them something right away for free. The point is, for example, your 55-inch Vizio that you have in your living room. Boom. Why don't you host a, a football party? Why don't you host a, a, just a, a hangout night, a movie night? Use that TV to bring people in. Use your possessions because it's a tool to help people. You know, I like watching football on a big screen. But if I watch it at your house, I'm not spending 50 bucks at the the bar and grill. You're saving me money. And now you're my friend and I like you. And you even give me chips and salsa and I didn't even bring anything. I like you a lot. We're making friends even though we have something nice. You see his point here? It's a tool. Take every, take every advantage. You know, Care Not, we hosted a TV show night last week. It was fun. We had you know our friends come over. It was great. We had a great time. Everyone was excited. They, but they brought stuff, so it was even more exciting. How about you take that big, unrighteous house you have and have a Bible study night? Invite people over. Right? It's not going to heaven. It's not eternal, but what if you use it for eternal things? What if you take that unfinished garage or that new garage you have, the man cave you got, and have some of the guys over in your man cave? Have a man's night. Do something spiritual. Do some fun with them. You're taking what you own because it's a tool, and you're using it to help other people. That's what this what one of those main points was here. was, Hey, use what you have to gain friends So they can get them into God's kingdom. That's what he said. Will they all join? No. But the point is you're trying. How about you use that pool you have? How about a pool party in 90 degree weather in Camarillo? Woo! How about that van you have? How about all carpool? You need help? Your kids need to ride to school? All carpool. I got extra seats. How about that? Really? You're going to help me out? Yeah. I got to move my car. How about using that van? How about using... You know, that camper, that farmhouse. How about that boat? Take your friends out on the boat and go fishing. Come on, man. Let's do this. Figure out a way to use what you have for something eternal. You know that 401k and 403b that we all have? It's a tool to support you to do God's work in your later years of life. What is what it's there for. If you've got, you got any old coins or baseball cards or whatever, it's collecting dust. What are they just doing there? Is that for your kingdom or God's kingdom? We own a lot of things that just get a lot of dust. Let's take some of our possessions as tools and put them to good use. Have a positive impact. So the second lesson we have is our possessions are a test. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Our possessions are a test. We're informed that our life is one big audition in God's kingdom. We've been given a little, or we've been given a lot, whichever is your lot in life, but we've we've been given it for a very short time. You don't have it very long. And so the little we possess is not yours. The little we possess is actually God's. And that's a very important point to make in your heart because so many things that we collect we automatically think and have a deep hearted desire that it's mine. And it's really God's. How do we know this? Because you can't take it anywhere. It's not eternal. It's temporary. And this test determines whether you can be trusted later with much riches, with genuine riches, and even your own riches. (laughs) Because faithfulness in this test is how effectively you invest what you have into the kingdom of God and other people for God's sake. That's the test. Is it all just for you? Or is it for God and His kingdom? Now, I really appreciate disciples who use their homes to have people over. Have a baptism at their house. Use their pool. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's awesome. When we get there, we, we, we're, at a, we're, at a, we're at a nice home, see the pool, everything's being utilized, someone's getting baptized, it's great. We, we've all been there to these situations where it's exciting, it's being used to further God's kingdom. So do you realize that your test score will determine what your eternity will be like? That's what he's saying. How can, how, can you be, you know, how can you be trusted with later on riches? The heavenly riches? I was like, what does that mean, Lord? I mean, are you saying how I handle my money determines, you know, what's heaven going to be like? Huh? Is he alluding to that? True riches? If all of this is true, then to refuse to sacrifice now is a choice to sacrifice later. In other words, my experience in heaven is based on what I'm how I handle my, God's possession now? That kind of changes my perspective on what I own. The third lesson is, the use of our possessions is evidence of whose we are. In other words, a brand. In other words, a trademark. It's a device that communicates ownership. A symbol identifying the manufacturer, distributor of a product. This issue here in this parable is all about lordship. If your mindset is that what I have in my wallet, in my bank account, is absolutely mine... Then you're living for the temporary. If your attitude is everything I have is God's, then you're living for the eternal. Possessions test your ultimate loyalty. They do. If you're loyal to God, you'll use them first kingdom. Because I know some people sometimes that come across like you go you know you have you have kids come to their house they're like don't touch anything. Like, with their kids. They're going to touch everything. And it's kind of like, you know, and I find myself going, Hey kids, don't touch that. You know, it stressed me out. I was stressed out because my kids would go, knock stuff over. Or when I ask disciples to help me move, it's standard operations. They're going to break something. When you ask Christians to help you move, bless their hearts, it's free. But my understanding is something's going to break. Something I like's going to break. That's standard. Right? But if it, if it was mine, they broke my TV. They broke my new entertainment center, which someone did. <laughs> Throw the door off. I'm like, how'd you do that? It was bolted on there. But it was God's. So we had to open. You know, it was one of those you push and it opens and shows you all the DVDs. Or well, now ours was open. There was no door. We had to get off. It like it was like hanging off. I'm like what happened, bro? Hey, help us free. <laughs> I mean, I could have paid $1,300, but... eh, lost the door. Amen, it's free. If this is true... If this is true... Whose we are? No one can serve two masters. Either, Either you hate one or love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both. If this is true... That's why I don't flinch when I ask people... When I challenge people. It's not a it's not a thus says the Lord Law. People give people give three, eight, five. I, I start off, hey, make it your goal to give ten. That's why I start off. Can you do that? Can you get there? Is it oh it's a command of the Bible? No, the Bible says you can give it proportionally. Give from your heart. But to me it's also a test. That's what he's saying here. If you're loyal to your own pursuit, of pleasure and power, you'll you'll pursue your kingdom for your sake. But since possessions are the way to, to pleasure and power in life, what happens is that you end up serving your stuff. It controls you. If this is true, if what he's saying is true, God and possessions are mutually exclusive. Ultimately, you'll be forced to say yes to one And no to the other. That's what he's saying. Eternity or temporary? People or things? I like people. I like to do things with people. Because their soul is eternal. The stuff we own is not. Everything new gets uglier as the year progresses. Everything new, all that nice, shiny, it's going to get old And ugly in five years. That's what happens to it, because it's not eternal. It wasn't designed to be eternal. It was it was designed to look good for 30 days, so you'll buy it. That's what it's for. They designed it just for 60 days, it's gonna go go awesome for two months, and then it's it's, just gonna go. It starts to get a scratch. It gets a smudge. Then you have kids over, then there's a crack. That's what happens. If you use God's possessions for your own benefit, you ignore people whose eternity you actually affect. That's what happens when we start thinking that everything we have is ours. And just let me tell you, God's not against, about, against having stuff. He says, you know, be a wise steward of it, don't go into debt for it. If you have it, use it to advance His kingdom. If you got nice things, use it to bring people into your home, into your house. Win them over. Win people over. That's what he's trying to say. Don't just hoard it for yourself, because that's temporary thinking. Think eternally. This is why the 10% challenge to me is very important. And I'm not saying give 10%. I just want you to think about this stuff. I want you to go home and think. I don't want any of you to go, oh, no. Don't be impulsive. I want you to let this marinate in your brain. And then it starts leaking down into your heart. Okay? Because 10% forces you to adjust your lifestyle. That's what it does. And then you'll know whose kingdom takes precedence in your life. That's how you know. That was a test that I had. I look at myself going, is God truly first? Adjusting your lifestyle, make it takes a decision to do that. It doesn't come naturally. It just takes a decision. But it's all part of following Jesus. And those are three simple lessons we get from a parable. The first lesson was, hey, they're just tools. Everything you have is a tool to help people. To build up God's kingdom. Great. You have a house? You have a TV? Good. That's awesome. Hey, let's make it a spiritual thing now. Let's people over. Let me host a let me host a house church in my house. That'd be great. Hey, you got a spa in the back? You got a jacuzzi? Hey, hey. You got a pool? Hey. You have a community pool? Hey, even better. Second, it's a test. God's testing you. How do you handle what I've given you? You know what's funny is like when when you you know when God gives us stuff and they're like it's mine. But God's I just gave it to you. My hands, like we're, we're all crazy with it. It's like But that's how it is, you know? When you see little kids play with toys, what's the first thing they say when another kid walks in? Mine. mine. The first thing they say. No, hi, hey, what's going on, man? Mine. In essence, we do the very same things. God gives us stuff, a great job, mine. What if the economy collapsed? Then we go. It's God's fault. All right? So it, it's a test. And thirdly, it's evidence of who you are. It's evidence. Who do I belong to? If you get if you get if three percent is, is a sacrifice, amen. Five amen. This is not it's not an altar call to give more. This is this is a this is a teaching to expand your mind. To expand and look at the way you look at money, to change it because the holidays are coming up. In three months, you're going to be, no, no sorry, scratch that. In 14 days, you're going to be inundated with sales and things and collections of things. If you can afford it, great, good for you. Use it to bring people into God's kingdom. If you can't afford it, don't buy it. Simple. If you have debt, pay it off. If you don't know what's going on, if your head's spinning right now, go to the compass class. I'll straighten you out. That's what it's there for. Give you some information. So last week I gave you an action plan to spy on your money. I have another one for you. Here's my challenge to you: Use what you have right now—your man cave, your Vizio, your garage, your pool, your barbecue, anything, your van. Use it to bring other people into your influence. Gain friends with it. Invite people over to enjoy it with them. Because if they're your friends and you're a Christian, you get to build a relationship with them and they get to see your relationship with God. And then it starts a conversation. Then it starts a, a deeper conversation. And lo and behold, they're lo- they want a relationship with God too. So that's my my challenge to you is use the stuff that you already have accumulated and use it to build up God's kingdom. Hope that encouraged you today. Thank you, and that concludes our service. Please get your kids at eleven forty five this morning. Thanks a lot. Take care.